HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Happy Monday. It's Let's Eat In on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway, and we're here at Roberta's, as usual, a home of heritage. Um, we're joined here today with Jennifer Perillo. She's the food editor at Working Mother Magazine. She's also a working mother, and she's also the blogger of In Jenny's Kitchen. And congratulations. Come on. Uh, help, ah, welcome on air. <laughs> it's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Kathy. <laughs> cool. So the books aren't out yet, but she's also working on a cookbook based on the blog, the longstanding blog. How long has yes. it been going? Um, well, the blog's been going about four years now. Um, the cookbook is called City Girl Country Kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's a title that my husband, finally, he came up with it. Uh, it's, the whole premise for it is simple scratch cooking and trying to make it easy. I think there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of content out there about scratch cooking, but I don't know if it always applies to a busy lifestyle. When I say busy, I mean when you have kids hanging around your ankles and you're trying to get dinner prepared in 30 minutes. So it's, right. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be um, eye-opening and really revolutionary for people who are ready to make that leap but don't think they have the time to. I, I hope that it's going to be a really great companion for them Absolutely. And you're a born and raised city girl, too. I am. I don't know if my Brooklyn accent is coming through <laughs> loud and clear, but I am a native Brooklyn gal. I grew up, uh, back in the day, we called it South Brooklyn, Red Hook. Now it's called Carroll Gardens. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's where I grew up. So, um, you know, I love this blog so much, and it captures so many things that I like about blogs. One of them being it's very personal. It's cozy. It's like each... Each post is like a story, and then you add more like chapters to it. And the other thing is that she makes things from scratch. I mean, there's, I mean, not to diss too many blogs, but there's a lot of, you know, oh, here's a recipe from Epicurious or something. But you and, you know, living and working for and, and uh, raising two kids make so many things from scratch. Yeah, like, I, you know, I, I think a lot of it is because um, I grew up on a lot of 
pre-made and processed foods, which is not to diss my mom in any way, because she did the best that she could, you know, having two kids, and, you know, she had certain circumstances. I also think processed food in the 70s was not the same as processed food in 2012. I mean, there's, you know, it was processed, packaged. I don't think it had so many of the additives. Our food system wasn't as bastardized as it is today. Um, It was the innocent days of processed food. It was, it was. It was the innocent days of processed (laughs) food. Um, So for me, you know, we never made cakes from scratch. Making a cake from scratch was opening up Duncan Hines or Betty Crocker. And I just got to a point in my life when I was, I guess, in my teens. And I thought, there has to be a way to do this on your own. So I just started opening up cookbooks and cooking magazines and just started cooking more and more. And I I really got hooked on it. I felt it was my creative outlet. My father was um, an artist and he, and I always felt like, oh God, I don't have his talent. I don't know what to do when I pick up a pencil and a piece of paper. And I realized where my art really, um, where that talent existed was in my hands and with ingredients and what I could do with them. Awesome. And uh, you're also an inventive cook, too. Like, I, I liked your latest Italian fried rice. Yes. <laughs> that was, was that actually, like I said in the blog post, it started out as an accidental, or it is an accidental recipe. I was making, uh, I had leftover rice. I always keep, like, if I make, when I make rice, I try to make a big batch of it. And either I'll keep it in the fridge to use during the week, or I'll freeze it and then take it out and thaw it and, when I want to do something. So I was going to make rice balls one night. And I don't know, I, I must have just been a little distracted in the kitchen, and something happened it was not binding properly and I ran out of breadcrumbs so I rather than have it go to waste I had already mixed in the eggs and the parmesan cheese and parsley and whatnot and I just looked at the cast iron skillet and I thought to heck with it I'm just gonna try this (laughs) and sure enough I just heated some olive oil and put it in and sauteed it and it was it was a really delicious accident wow I was I was a lot of you know when you're dealing with recipe development is not being afraid and really right. leaving your fear yeah. at the door. You know what? That recipe might not have come out that way. It may not have been edible. I might not have liked it and I might have thrown it away. But I was already there. There, I had nothing to lose <laughs> as far as I thought. And I have to say quite a few people since I posted it last week have been making it and they've just been saying how much they're Aww. loving it. And that just makes me, that makes me so happy mm-hmm. when, when people go in and start using those recipes and when it makes a difference in their life. I mean, it might sound a little silly, but food for me is a lot more than nutrition. It's about that time with your family. And I think a lot more, especially moms are trying to cook from scratch. So when I can try and help make their life easier come dinner time, that makes me feel really happy. Yeah. And I'm sure it also makes them maybe inspired to do stuff and see if it works out for the first time. Yeah, I mean, Hopefully. honestly, at the end of the day, you're only a phone call away from takeout if it yeah. really becomes that yeah. disastrous. And <laughs> I have been known to order takeout when I need to. Um, but that's, you know, it's always, especially in Hopefully, this economy, you don't, don't want to yeah. waste money on ingredients. But, you know, it's you're, all is not lost. At the end of the day, if you really need to, you can just whip up pancakes right. or, you know, have it's cereal for dinner, make it fun, lay out a blanket and have a picnic. <laughs> right. You have a fun story afterwards. Exactly. So you're saying you're getting into cooking as a teenager. Um, just kind of finding your art in that. Did you, did your friends find that a strange thing to do or like a, was that a total um, anomaly? No, cause I think I did it more. I mean, I was a, you know, regular teenager, did my own stuff, but I just did more. My mom, uh, my, my dad, 
left when I was uh, around 14 or so. So it was just me and my mom at that point. And she was busy working in a supermarket. She worked as a cashier. So I would come home and I would help out with dinner. That was just kind of my domain where, where I I wanted to help it with my family contribution, and I really enjoyed it. We started cooking healthier, having salads, but it didn't. I guess I it didn't really overlap. It didn't. It wasn't like now where I show up at friends' homes and I'm bringing baskets of scones. I certainly wasn't baking or cooking for my friends at that point. I mean, I would like if it was their birthday, I would make cupcakes or something and bring it in. But it wasn't. It was just starting to seep into my my life and my consciousness, right. and it actually wasn't the path that I ended up going on. I, I started out, I, you know, I went to uh, Brooklyn College, and I have a, a broadcast journalism degree, because culinary school's always been pretty expensive. And I was intimidated by those prices. So I went into broadcast television, I was actually a commercial producer until I was about uh, 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And then I still had had my cooking bug the whole time. Oh, and you still practiced? I did. I, I was still cooking all the time. I still remember the very first food I ever brought to my, my husband, who was then my boyfriend, the very first dishes I brought to his house. He always jokes that I booed him with my cream puffs, and they really were cream puffs that I booed him with. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it's not a euphemism for anything. Um, so I just, I, I had always had a foot in food, but I hadn't really um, embraced it and taken the leap until I was in my mid-20s and decided to make a go of it as a career. As a career. Okay, mm-hmm. so as a food writer, editor, and... Well, I was a per- yeah, I was a personal chef back then when personal oh, okay. chefing wasn't as uh, as prominent. I guess this was back in 1998 or so. I started off as a personal chef, then worked in some restaurants all front of house and... Um, so that must have been a really great yeah, experience. It was. It was. It was. It's all. It's been a, a really amazing path. It's been a, a real, you know, in 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 a, in a do-it-yourself movement that we're in right now. My career, in a lot of ways, was a do-it-yourself. I just had my eyes set on what I knew I wanted to do, and even I made food fit into my life as a mom. You know, working with two kids in the restaurant business wasn't really easy, and that's when I decided to take all my food knowledge with my journalism degree and. Mm-hmm. See if I could make a go of it, and it's been a really good five years so far. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> well, thank you so much for showing that it can be done. Um, you know, and we were talking a little bit off air. I was asking Jenny what she ate. Uh, you know, today this morning, you're like, I just. You want to go on? Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> I bake some. Sc- <laughs> yeah. You know, I woke up. The, it, it's waking up the the mornings the last six months or so. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit more to get the energy to uh, embrace the day. And for whatever reason, I woke up and I thought, I I, I don't know. I must have been dreaming about something, and I thought. I just I want to bake. I just need to start the day off creating something and having my hands in something because I knew I was going to have a busy day with meetings and appointments. And I just decided to make scones, which at first I was kind of looking at my clock. It's like (laughs) 743 and I'm just putting the scones into the oven. And I know I have to leave in about 27 minutes with the kids to go to school. And I'm like, this was so stupid. But the scones came out at eight. I made orange scented scones. The kids had hot scones for breakfast, packed some in little bags for them to take on the walk to school everyone got where they needed to be on time and I felt it was very centering for me to just mix flour and cut in that butter and and just feel feel connected to something you know on a day when I feel like um, life feels a little out of control and there are so many variables that I I don't have a say over how they go but for me cooking is a constant you know you can mix ingredients together and you can you can 
produce the outcome that you want to be, which we can't always do in our in other asset, aspects of our life. Absolutely. And I bet your girls appreciated that, too. It was they useful. Did. They were very happy <laughs> for those warm scones. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so what was I going to say? Oh, and um, you're also working on another memoir currently. Yeah, well, the, the, the first book will be the cookbook, City Girl Country Kitchen, which um, is scheduled for publication in spring of 2013. And then there is a second book. I was very, um, very lucky and thankful uh, that Running Press offered me a two book deal. Uh, they, it, it, it found, and it happened, my editor found out at running press that I would, had been, I've been keeping a journal, uh, since a couple of weeks after my husband passed away. And cause you know, my relationship to food, both eating it and cooking is, is very different because I, he was my inspiration for so right. everything that I did. Um, so I'd been keeping a journal about just what the whole experience has been like trying to figure out what this new kind of normal is. So when they were looking at the proposal for City Girl Country Kitchen, they had asked about this journal and this, this you know, it, what interest I would have in writing a memoir. And so that that's the second book, which I won't I won't really be putting that together. It'll, I'll be weaving my journal entries together at the end of the first year Mm -hmm. that's passed. He passed away August 7th of last year. So after this August is when I'll start looking at it. And that book's not scheduled until spring of 2014, which sounds light years away at this point. But it will be it will be a cooking memoir. So it will be a memoir with recipes as well. Well, thank you so much for deciding in advance to share that story. I'm sure it'll be great. Um, You know, just to anyone who who likes food and the personal connections with it, because I know your family is like everything on your, you know, it's like, you know, and no recipe would would be without a mention, you know. Yeah, it's it's even working on City Girl Country Kitchen right now. I've, you know, most of those recipes were developed while Michael was alive. So, you know, writing this cookbook is is a particular um, emotional trip because every recipe is a mini meditation on the life that we've had together. And right. it's trying to figure out how does that work? How do those little stories and vignettes fit into the cookbook now? Do I change the tense? Do I write them differently? So that, that's right. been part of the journey. But the mealtime is really important. You know, I'm always tweeting and Facebooking and putting on Instagram pictures of our dinner table. And, you know, I don't do that for the sake of other. I mean, I obviously I post the pictures for other people to see because I really do want to inspire people what the mealtime can be. Mm -hmm. But when I set that table, I don't do it because I want to get the recognition. I do it because my hope is really that when my daughters go off and leave for college, that they have had 18 years of amazing meal times and whether it's a simple crostini whether it's a pasta or a four course meal there's just that appreciation for you know fresh flowers and the the cloth napkins and just the experience that it is not about the food but it's about the relationship that you have with the people who you're eating the food with absolutely and it's fun yeah too. exactly Awesome. Um, we're going to have a quick little uh, musical break, and you chose the television. Yes. It was right. uh, my husband's favorite band. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back.
program was brought to you by Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries. They cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information. And be sure to check the new blog, On Our Plate, for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. a fun little musical break from television. We're here joined with Jennifer Perillo, or Jenny. <laughs> Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And for the pizza, of course. I didn't get to <laughs> eat as much as I wanted because I was too busy taking pictures of it. That's, that's yeah. the hard life that's of the, the food blog or stopping <laughs> to take pictures and eating cold food. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the um, kind of escapist perks of me for <laughs> this uh, radio show. It's called Let's Eat In, but it's not a pizza place. I don't know. Well, hey, but it looks so. like it's made from all great quality ingredients. That's what counts. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. You could see them, some of them in the summertime or spring growing upstairs, too. Uh-huh. On this very I have to come here for a tour then in thing the spring we're and in. summer. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so uh, how often do you eat out? It sounds like you're always ripping something up. You know, it's funny because every time I have friends who are coming to New York, they say, where are you? Where are we supposed to go to eat? And I'm like, I really don't know. Because I, I mean, I have my, my favorite places that I go to um, in the neighborhood on Saturdays after taking the girls to the farmer's market. We've been going to a place called Moo Burger on Saturday afternoons. It's Moo? On, it's called Moo Burger, like Moo, like M-O-O. Okay. It's, a, it's a new organic burger place that opened in Carroll Gardens, which I was really excited for because... For me, especially eating meat, I like to, you know, I, I like to make, I don't necessarily need to n- always know the exact source, but I, especially for eating out, I find it hard to eat um, meat out because a lot of restaurants, it's expensive to serve something yeah. that's been ethically um, ethically raised and, and handled. So we go to Moo Burger on Saturday afternoons. <laughs> we do that for lunch usually, or I'll just go home and make paninis or something like that. But otherwise, I, I really do cook. Pretty much every meal. I have a standing date night with myself on Thursdays. It was the night my husband and I always went out. So I kept the babysitter so I could have one night a week where I wasn't uh, juggling kids in dinner time. Because the truth is, as beautiful as my table always looks, I'm constantly saying, will you sit in your seat? Will you stop it? Stop picking your sister's nose. Stop making her smell your feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. it's, I have a three and an eight-year-old. <laughs> this is what happens. So on Thursday nights, I go out. There's um, uh, a place called Invino in the East Village, which is a really great Southern Italian wine bar. And they have amazing little bites there. They do the Roman-style artichokes. They have amazing meatballs there. Um, but And I, I love, you know, I love going to Gramercy Tavern. I used to work there. So it's a really 
warm and welcoming place. It was one of my husband's and mine's favorite restaurants. So when I go there, it's kind of like my cheers. I feel like I can just go sneak and get a seat at the bar and have a glass of wine by yourself. Exactly. You know, do some writing while I'm having dinner and just kind of be in there under the radar, which is nice. But I'm definitely not the person to go to for restaurant recommendations because I have like my less than five favorite places. And then generally what happens is if I do go out someplace and I like what I have, then I immediately go home and try and recreate it. So I don't have to go there again. I can just do it at home. (laughs) I hear you on that. Uh, When I tell people I'm a food writer, they're like, so where should I eat? I'm like, (laughs) want to come over? (laughs) That's the tricky when you tell people you're a food writer. They mean, oh, like a restaurant critic? No, there's more to writing about food than reviewing restaurants mm-hmm. a lot more <laughs> so um i'm i gotta stop tripping over myself <laughs> it's monday it's okay so you're mentioning that um you went to uh grand armory plot oh no which great which well, market know, to go to well before before august of last year my routine was i would wake up at seven in the morning on saturdays i would sneak out of the house before anyone was awake and i'd go to grand army plaza that was my regular that routine. was your green market um there's no way I'm getting my kids out of the house that early in the morning by myself now. Mm-hmm. So we have a later start on Saturdays and we go to Union Square. Oh, so um, okay. Mainly because I'm uh, addicted to Grey's and Angus Acres eggs. They are, uh, I'm, I've tried pretty much all the eggs from the farmer's market and their eggs really are of such high quality. The taste is amazing. I have the good fortune. I visited the farm. You know, I've gotten to know the family over the last few years. No way. So I actually go to Union Square on Saturdays because that's when Grays and Angus is there and they're not in they're not at the Grand Army Plaza market. So, so they're better than all the other eggs. They I really, really gotta try this. They really are. They're egg- and you know, they're eggs. People people commonly come up to them and say, Why are your eggs eight dollars a dozen? Are they worth it? I think that's pretty offensive to ask a farmer, are they worth yeah, it? Right. I mean, you have to taste them and decide if they're worth it. Um, but they really are. And for us, because we don't eat, we do eat meat. It's not as though we're vegetarian, but we don't, we certainly don't eat a lot of meat. So eggs are a pretty big source of protein for us. So for me, it's a splurge, it's, it's a splurge <laughs> exactly. And it's a lot less expensive than buying a cut, of, you know, a steak or something right. like that. Um, or the whole chicken. Yeah. But, but all of their stuff, I mean, even their chicken, their chicken is really amazing. Really? Yeah, and where's the great. farm? Uh, it's up in Ghent, New York, so it's about okay. three hours from here. So it's it's just it's and the, the family they're just doing a really lovely job. They actually just opened uh, maybe about three months ago or so a place called the Grays and Diner. So it's actually a diner about fifteen minutes from the house. So it's up in Ghent, New York, also. And uh, I was supposed to go in October for a trip to go visit the diner, and then we had that freakish hailstorm or snowstorm. So that canceled my travel plans oh, no. to go see them. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's now getting warmer again. Hopefully yeah. Oh, well, be... definitely. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be going up there uh, just to to visit the family, see the farm again, and you know it was great for my girls. They're they're city kids. We have concrete. You go up there. It's 450 acres. There's pigs. There's chickens. There's cows. That must be fun. For them. It is. Oh, it is so fun for them getting to throw apples to feed the pigs. It was <laughs> yeah. They had so much fun. I de- I certainly never did that growing up as a city kid. Mm-hmm. We saw anything. From with four feet we ran from it in brooklyn <laughs> right so any good uh, catches from the or finds from the green market that you're hoping to cook with uh, gosh, what did I buy? Can I this? have a teaser for upcoming a posts. Teaser <laughs> for upcoming posts. Uh, well, you know, one of the things I like about going to Union Square on 
Saturdays now also is there's a hydroponic farmer and they have some really great herbs, but they have tomatoes. Tomatoes, yeah. And that's it's right. a really nice treat to be able to and get tomatoes. In the, and they ha- exactly yeah. they have cucumbers too. I can't remember the name of the farm. I'm so bad about it. But um again, yeah, yeah. a really sweet family and it's such a treat to be able to have tomatoes in the winter time. It's of course it's not the same taste as a sun-kissed tomato in the mm-hmm. height of August, but it still is a nice treat. And I, like last night, I just decided to do a trio of Christini for dinner. The, you know, the kids, we were all, my daughter's into Harry Potter a lot, so we were watching the Half-Blood <laughs> Prince, so we decided to make a little picnic of it. And I just took some uh, uh, a penne italiano bread from one of the local bakeries, which is this half whole wheat and half white flour, toasted it. I spread a little bit of um, pesto, and then I just put fresh chopped tomato with some olive oil and salt and just that alone was just such a nice kiss of summer in the middle of winter time although it doesn't feel like winter today it's so warm and sunny um, but what other finds did that I get? That sounds like one of those dishes that could please like the, the pickiest food snob as well as the pickiest kid. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I have parsnips. I've been really into this parsi- par- uh, parsnip yeah, apple fennel thinking, soup, oh, okay, which is good. actually a recipe that I, I developed. But then... Um, you know, right now it's such. Is it going to be in the book? Well, it'll developed? it'll be in okay. the memoir. That that's the interesting thing. You know, is oh. developing the recipes for the cookbook <laughs> and then the recipes for the memoir. And usually, the way I decide what goes where is if you know a recipe hits me in a particular way that I it feels very connected to Mikey at that moment. I'm like, okay, this this has to wait because I'm really not ready to share it with the rest of the world just mm. yet. So that recipe is going to be a while before it's out. But my girlfriend, Olga, who writes the blog, Sassy Radish, she par- posted a parsnip soup recipe recently, too, which I haven't tried, but I will say <laughs> everything that Olga puts out is amazing. So if anyone wants a parsnip soup recipe, <laughs> I would go and I'd go check out Sassy, Sassy Radish. Radish. All right. <laughs> I definitely will check that out because I was just thinking about parsnips and uh, that should be coming up, you know, soon. There's only so many like root vegetables right now to to show. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So um, this is um, my standard question for every guest. And it's, uh, you know, hopefully not too. um, I don't know. I hopefully (laughs) it is not too inappropriate. But um, what is the most in a dream world ultimate date meal to you an ultimate date meal um i would say one of the things i loved making for my husband was homemade pasta i just it's so you know when you hear homemade pasta it sounds like it's such a difficult thing to make but it really isn't it just requires a little bit of patience the most important key is that your dough needs to rest before you roll it out but I think Did you have a, do you have a pasta? Crank? I have I have a pasta like a crank. Atlas I have an thing. atlas one yeah, exactly. But that's really the most important thing. You know, eggs at room temperature when you go to make the dough, and it just needs time to rest. It's kind of like love itself. You know, sometimes you meet someone and you think it sparks at first, but it takes time for it to grow and to nurture it and for it to develop and you know recognize all those little qualities that you fell in love with someone in exactly, and that's exactly how. <laughs> it works with pasta dough (laughs) so honestly for me my most perfect date meal would just be like a homemade pepperdell with just a simple tomato basil sauce i i don't think you know it's great when food food is supposed to wow you and i don't think it necessarily has to be gourmet ingredients and truffles and something that's hard to find it's just cooking with your heart and and putting 
everything that you can of yourself into it. And for me, maybe it's, you know, harnessing the Italian roots and background, but there's something so seductive about a, a, a quickly prepared marinara sauce just draped around. Isn't that some like noodles. Lady in the Tramp, too? It is. <laughs> it is, I suppose so. That's a classic one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love uh, a fresh pasta? And it seems like, um, you know, something even rare to find in restaurants, too. It's like that. Oh, oh, yeah. Finding exclusive. homemade pasta is really where they're actually making it on site in the restaurant. That that That's definitely a special, a special, a special place when you can find mm-hmm. that. But when you find a homemade noodle like that, it. And it's not that hard. It can to make do, your knees like you weak. Said. It really can. It's it's yeah exactly. Yeah. It can make your knees weak. Do you use uh, egg yolks or the whole eggs? I use the whole egg. And okay. It's so funny because I know there's so much talk about what the perfect is. You know, my recipe is pretty basic. It's a, a cup of flour, an egg, a little bit of olive oil in there. Sometimes I'll swap in a quarter cup of semolina flour for part of the all-purpose, just oh, yeah. to give it a little bit of elasticity. Sometimes I make whole grain vari- variations and. I'll put in some spelt or some mm-hmm. rye but yeah really the most important thing i found with homemade pasta is it just needs to rest a little bit 15 minutes you know at least 15 minutes but if you can give it like an hour to just leave it wrapped in plastic wrap on your counter just like make your dough and then go off and do something else you know just don't think about it come back it'll just be so smooth so elastic it'll go through the rollers without any tears I did not know that. Mm -hmm. I will have to try that next. (laughs) Thank you so much for the tip. It does sound very romantic, too. I know we just had Valentine's Day, but that's okay. Any day. Exactly. (laughs) And definitely check out um, the the cookbooks when they come out. And your Twitter or Uh, Twitter, I'm at Jennifer Perillo, and the blog is in jennyskitchen.com. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Kathy. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.